0: The great C.S. Lewis once said, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So how do you show humility in today's all about me kind of culture? Well, that's today on our podcast. Hey folks, it's Karen G. from the Tower Hill Communications team. Thanks for tuning in to our weekly podcast. You can listen here each week to catch up on our latest sermon, and we hope what you hear inspires you to want more so you'll continue on your own personal faith journey. Today's message is part two in our new sermon series about how to be more thankful. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now. Good morning, Tower Hill Church Online. It is a blessing to worship with you this morning. I'm Pastor Jason. If you're new with us, a very special welcome to you. We're right in the middle of a sermon series for November called Thankful. And I know, listen, every pastor ever, every November, does a sermon series on gratitude or thankfulness. or But listen, I think we need it. I think we need it all the time because it's so easy to forget that life is a gift and we've been given so much and and we just don't appreciate it all the time. And so I feel like it's a regular rhythm that's kind of built into our lives to remember what gratitude and especially gratitude to God and living a life of thankfulness means and why it matters. Last week, Pastor Teresa got us started with a really great uh, illustration on Psalm 145 about how it is like a Hallmark card to God that um, sort of like a Mother's Day card When a kid writes a Mother's Day card and, you know, you're writing, I love my mom and because she does this for me and this for me and this for me, that you can't separate loving the person with what that person does to demonstrate their love. And in a similar way, Psalm 145 is sort of like an expression of thankfulness to God for God, for who God is and for what God has done. And thankfulness is all about celebrating that, celebrating who God is and what God has done in our lives. But there are a lot of things that get in the way of thankfulness. Or sometimes we live a life where we say, okay, I'm thankful to God, but I'm just going to keep it to myself. Why would you ever keep that to yourself? Wouldn't you want everyone to experience that relationship with God that you are so thankful for? I mean, listen, we, uh, my family, we got a a favorite little fast food joint up in Eatontown called Habit Burger. Of course, it's a California-based restaurant chain. And my wife swears it's better than In-N-Out. I don't think I'm ready to go that far. Um, I feel like uh, something would break deep inside of me if I had to admit that. But it's fantastic, and we keep referring everybody to it because you don't keep that kind of good news to yourself. You want to share it. You want everybody to enjoy what you get to enjoy. And if Burgers worth sharing, I hope that our thankful, grateful relationship with God is even more so. Speaking of food, I remember I was, uh, at a church conference years ago and, uh, I was with a friend who had been, been to the same conference, I think two years prior and we're getting ready for lunch and you're about ready to break for lunch. The conference is ready to break and they're like, Hey, and we've got lunch for you out in the hallway. We went outside and it was these, these boxed lunches from Chick-fil-A and, uh, it, and it had, you know, had these waffle chips and cookie and fruit and a chicken sandwich. I mean, it was awesome. And I get this box and I sit with my friend and I'm so excited. I'm like, I, I wasn't even expecting lunch today. Like I thought we, were, we had to fend for ourselves. And it was so cool that they provided this. And my friend gets his boxed lunch and he goes, oh, yeah, last year's was way better. Like they, they did this whole thing and this whole spread. And it feels like they really cheaped out this year, you know, getting this box. And, and he wasn't really happy with the lunch. And it's funny, our two different mindsets going into lunch, he had certain expectations based on what had happened before, and he felt kind of like he was entitled to that same level that he felt needed to be there, and I, who wasn't expecting anything, was just super excited to have anything, let alone a cool box lunch from Chick-fil-A, and here's the point. By the way, I am not always the hero of those kinds of stories. (laughs) But I think it's an example how entitlement led to ingratitude while humility led to thankfulness. I think there may be something to that. You know this is true. You don't need me to tell you that. But maybe you need me to remind you of that. Entitlement often leads to ingratitude. Why? Because I'm expecting something that I feel like I deserve, and when it happens, it's no big deal. I'm like, yeah, it's supposed to. It's what I deserve. When it doesn't happen, well, let's just say ingratitude festers. Humility, on the other hand, is, is a sense of, oh my gosh, like I, I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed to have this thing in my life, and it, it leads to more thankfulness, I believe. You see, humility and entitlement and gratitude, thankfulness, those things are all related to this integral core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to live a life in a Christ-like way. I often think of it as the difference between an open hand and a closed hand. If you want to imagine entitlement as the closed fist. Because when you're entitled, you're not really open to be receiving anything. It's kind of like, this is what I'm entitled to, and I can't receive if you tell me something different. However, humility, is I think, is more like an open hand. I think humility is able to receive. And I think that's why humility is so important when it comes to spiritual humility, that we need to be ready to receive what God wants to give us. You know this is true just in the workplace, right? So if you've ever had to hire or fire somebody, or you've ever been a supervisor of somebody, or maybe you've been on the other end of that supervision, there's kind of one or two ways it could go if you need to have a hard conversation with an employee or the, or the boss needs to have a hard conversation with you. It's like, well, you know, hey, Jason, I noticed this year as we're looking at your job, you know, these, these are the things that I saw that you maybe struggled with that we need to work on. We need to come up with a plan about that. Now, there's two ways. I could be the sort of person that's humble and be like, okay, I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to get better. This is going to be a tool to my flourishing. I'm going to get better at this. Or I could go the other way. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, it wasn't really like that. And try to sort of bullet point excuse each thing that they say that I need to work on. And humility, if I can have enough humility, I can be open to receive the feedback and to make adjustments. But if I don't have that humility, then I'm just going to get mad. This is true in our relationships, too. I mean, just if any of you are blessed to have teenagers in the house, you know this is true. It's not just teenagers, but I kid a little bit. But if you have teenagers in the house, you know, you know, the parent may say something. You might say something. Parents like, you can't do that. You can't do that. And the teenager most likely will say, yeah, I know. <laughs> You're like, well, well, then why'd you do it? Uh, because, I, you know, teenagers are figuring it out and they kind of feel like they know better and they know it all. And. Uh, not always, but it's often a thing that teenagers do. They feel like uh, you don't, they don't need their parents to tell them. Instead of, oh yeah, you know, mom and dad, you're right, I'm sorry, I'm going to try to do better. Oh man, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that just be glorious to your ears? <laughs> I'm kidding a little bit. But it works the other way around too, doesn't it, parents and teenagers, right? Teenager points out something, hey, mom, dad, you were wrong about this. And then how many times do we as parents find a way to say something like, no, 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 you just heard me wrong. (laughs) I misspoke. (laughs) Listen, humility in our relationships, especially in our relationship with God, humility allows room for reconciliation. It creates the right open space of the heart to patch things up, to reconcile, to make things right. And that's why I think humility is such an important part of understanding our Christian walk. Jesus taught about this, of course, and he told a parable that spoke to this in the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke chapter 18, beginning of verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. I mean, let's start right there. It's sort of the beginning of a joke, right? Uh, the two opposites. You have a Pharisee who is a religious person, Uh, versus somebody who literally they called a sinner, a tax collector. Uh, Typically, you're usually a Gentile, but this was somebody who was sort of like the opposite end of the spectrum, not religious at all. And there's a whole story about tax collectors we could go into another time. But the point was, you have this comparison between the person who should understand the ways of God and the person who blatantly disregards the way of God, the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. <laughs> Isn't that great? Oh my gosh, how many how many times have you met somebody who, who was like that? I think I can think of a few. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this. Tax collector, I fast twice a week and I and give a tenth of all I get. In other words, I'm entitled to God's favor because I'm doing it right. And this sinner and these other evildoers around here are messing everything up. But and this is where of course Jesus is setting up the punchline, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God Have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Why? Because, again, humility opens us to the possibilities of God. That's why we're exalted, because we're open to receive what God has to give. We don't just sort of shut God out. Yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Or, uh, or yeah, 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 it's good. I got this. I understand, God. No, it's, yeah, I I humble myself before you, God, and I want to make this a learning moment in my life. I want to receive what you have to give me. It's interesting that right after this moment, uh, we have the scene with Jesus and the little children. Like right, the next verse after verse fifteen, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Can you imagine? Why did they do that? Well, because they felt that babies or children really weren't worth the time of this important religious leader, this Jesus of theirs, uh, the King of Kings. I mean, they just like these babies were really irrelevant and they should stop doing, they should stop bothering Jesus. And you could sense by Jesus's response in just a moment that he's, he's kind of feeling like maybe they're a little vulnerable to feeling superior. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Yeah, the disciples too, they were vulnerable to entitlement, but Jesus was quick to correct them. Remember Philippians. This is why. Jesus was the walking embodiment of what humility really looked like. He had every right to feel entitled, didn't he? The Son of God. But he didn't. Philippians 2 reminds us beautifully, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, So I think how all of these things go together with entitlement and humility and thankfulness is a lack of humility leads to entitlement. I think often it certainly does. I'm going to get what I deserve. I'm going to get what's coming to me. I'm going to get what's owed to me. A lack of humility leads to entitlement. And it can be an obstacle to God's grace. Entitlement then leads to ingratitude often right? This isn't the lunch that I was expecting, right? Entitlement leads to ingratitude. And then humility is, I think, living without entitlement. Maybe this is just a California thing. This is something that my uncles used to always say, and I sort of adopted uh, growing up there. They would say things like, Jason, don't worry about it. It's all gravy. It's gravy, baby. It's all gravy. I don't know. Was that a California thing? I don't know. Do people say that? But I do. And And what did they mean? They meant Stop worrying about all those things out of control or things aren't going right. You're not getting what you think you deserve. And remember, life is a gift. Everything we get is just gravy. It's just extra. It's bonus time. We are blessed to be on this planet. And if good things happen, it's all gravy, baby. <laughs> Maybe that's a California way of saying, listen, let's remember, let's have a healthy perspective about grace. Grace. That grace is grace, it's undeserved. And part of God's grace is the fact that we get to live this life and we've been given so much, and it's easy to forget that. It's easy to start feeling entitled, and then you, well, you start getting it wrong. You start being closed off. You stop reconciling in your relationship with God and with others. So, how do we cultivate more humility? Here's just a couple of quick ideas. The first is, I think if you get in the habit of recognizing the giver and not just the gifts, it helps you understand humility. But when you're just like, God, thank you so much, right? That, that Hallmark card to God. Thank you so much for what you've done and who you are. And it's not just all these good things I see around me. Uh, it, it, it's just you've given me this life to live. You've given me a, a purpose. You've given me this day to serve you. Thank you. Thank you so much. When you focus on the gifts, sometimes it's like, aren't there more? Or, you know, why don't I have these other? You start to measure those things. But I think if you just thank the giver of all things, it kind of resets your heart a little bit to humility. You say, you know, I don't deserve to have things this good. The Lord is good to me. Second, maybe we all just need a healthy dose of grace. It's all gravy. Listen, Life is what it is. It's got its ups and downs, but the fact that we get to live in relationship with God here on earth and in eternity, everything else that happens to us is gravy. And imagine how that would affect your sense of thankfulness if if you're just like, you know what? All of this is undeserved grace, and I am so, so thankful for that. And then third, maybe it kind of starts with appreciating what you're already blessed with. And I have mentioned this before, but I like to, in the mornings... When I do a prayer time, I like to start with a thankful list. I start with all the things I'm thankful for. And sometimes it's big things and oftentimes though it's little things. I'm, you know, I'm thankful that I could move my body on this walk that I'm going on. I'm thankful that I have shoes on my feet. I'm thankful. And, uh, and I'll set kind of a certain amount of time where all I do is thankful. And then I'll get to what I'm praying for. What are my needs for the day? And it helps me, I don't know, have the right amount of humility. Listen, it's always a A moving target, right? Because we're humans, we're sinners, we don't always get it right. But when I am feeling humility, I think is when I'm at my best in my relationship with God. There's a wonderful prayer that is also a way to sort of reset and recenter. It's called the Humility Prayer, adapted from Neil Babcock's. And I'm just going to describe it to you. I want to encourage you to pray it, though, on your own. And it actually already exists on our website. If you remember, we introduced this prayer during our Louder sermon series uh, last ad, or last um, Lent. And so you can actually find this prayer online. You can find it at towerhillchurch.org forward slash louder and scroll down to week six. The prayer's right there if that's something that you're interested in. Anyway, I love this prayer. I'll just kind of walk you through it. You're supposed to pray it slowly. I'm not going to do that now because it would take a while, but um, I just want to read you some of the text The prayer goes like this. From the the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. And you start using different words for praise. Then you're like, from the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred, consulted, approved. From the desire for comfort and ease, deliver me, Jesus. And then it moves to fear. From the fear of being criticized, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being passed over, being forgotten, being lonely, being hurt, the fear of suffering, deliver me, Jesus. And it's really powerful because you go through it slowly, line by line. And then it ends with, Oh God, grant me the grace to humble myself under your mighty hand today and to clothe myself with humility toward all I meet. Amen. Again, if you're interested in praying this prayer is maybe a way of resetting your humility, uh, go to towerhillchurch.org forward slash louder and look for the prayer under week 6. Well, what's the goal of all this? The goal is is that we're in this season of thanks. And if we can remember that everything we have is a gift from God, it is a free lunch that we weren't expecting, I think it changes our hearts. I think it opens us up to the possibilities of God and in the end makes us live and breathe in a way that is truly thankful.